Welcome to OECD Podcast, where policy meets people. Work plays a central role in all our lives. Whether we're looking for a first job, aiming for a promotion, changing careers, or coming to terms with retirement or with being laid off. And work seems to be changing so fast these days, as automation, artificial intelligence, globalization, and demographic shifts transform how, when, and where we do our jobs. For some of us, these changes may be making our jobs safer or more interesting. They may offer the chance to gain new skills or perhaps to work more flexibly, better balancing our personal and professional lives. But such changes are also bringing challenges, such as growing inequality in wages or more opportunities for some yet more risks for others. No wonder people around the world are concerned and are wondering how we can build a future of work that works for all. To help me pick through these issues, I'm delighted to be joined by Stefano Scarpetta, Director of Employment, Labor, and Social Affairs at the OECD. Welcome, Stefano. Thank you. So let's start right away with the question of what's new here. Some people might say that, in fact, these problems, these challenges aren't new. There's no future of work, but rather the same issues that have always been there. One's about skills, job stability, job quality, about pay and social protection. Would you agree? Or is it different this time? Well, you see, our economies, our societies have gone through major technological transformation over the past uh, years, actually centuries. Each and every of these transformations destroy a number of jobs, many more were actually created, and at the end, we got more jobs of better quality, higher level of income, and actually higher living standards. So I think the question as to whether this digital transformation is different, I think is crucial. The evidence we have so far suggests that this is gonna be, is already, a very deep and rapid transformation. Deep because it basically is affecting each and every job. There's no one single job that is not going to be impacted by the digital transformation. And also very rapid because uh, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, data processing are evolving very rapidly. So each and every job is already impacted and is going to be impacted also going forward. So I just want to jump in there. I mean, in a way you're saying jobs are going to be destroyed and everything is changing. That does sound a little scary. So talk us through the opportunities inherent in that. There is a lot of concern that this may lead to what uh, John Maynard Keynes in the 30s said, the high level of technological unemployment. When we look at the data, there's actually no evidence about that. If you look at the employment, we have more jobs now than ever before. The employment rate, the number of people of working age who have a job, actually at the record high level on average in the OECD countries. Are all the jobs good? No. We have seen a lot of reduction in jobs in employment, for example, in manufacturing, a significant creation in jobs in the service sector. We are creating a lot of high-skilled jobs, which are good, offer very good pay and career progression, but also we are generating a number of fairly low-paid jobs, some precarious jobs, and actually we see a hollowing out of the middle. A number of intermediate-skilled jobs are actually declining. So tell me, what is a middle-skilled job that's disappearing? Job in manufacturing, in the service sector, these are the jobs held by those with intermediate level of skills. These were pretty good paid jobs, not high paid jobs, and actually jobs with a pretty, some significant degree of stability. They have been declining across all of the OECD country. So yes, indeed, some workers are concerned. Will my job be there? Would I risk sliding into a lower paid job? All these concerns are actually uh, reasonable, are important. So there is a risk, not in my view of massive technological employment going forward, but actually more about growing inequalities between high good 
and high quality, well-paid jobs, and other which will be low-paid, more precarious type of jobs. So we need more policy response to help those actually move into the good jobs that are there and will be actually increasing going forward. And are these changes affecting everyone in the same way? Well, interesting enough, when we look at, the, the again, some of the intermediate jobs are declining, then we have done work looking at which are the jobs at risk of being automated. First of all, how many of them there are? Our analysis does not suggest what has been put forward by some research that many, many jobs, 47%, half of the job can be automated. Our analysis suggests maybe 14% of the job at a really high risk of being automated because most of the tasks in this job could, not tomorrow, but in the medium term, actually be performed by machine, by algorithm, by artificial intelligence and machine learning. However, there is another 32% of the top of this 14% of job that will stay, but in which 50 to 70% of the task could be performed by the machine, by the algorithm. So the workers would have to acquire new skills, perform new tasks to remain highly complementary to what the machine could be doing going forward. So a lot of transformation, a lot of need to adapt skills and competences, perform new tasks, but actually workers have always done that, right? None of the job that we have today is the same of the job 20 years ago. So workers are used to adapt to new tasks, new functions, new responsibility, but they need to be accompanied, they need to be supported in this effort. So let's talk about that support. What can countries do to accomplish uh, successful policies to take the future of work forward in a way that's helpful for everyone? First of all, I think uh, the technological revolution offers many opportunities. We have to actually create a condition whereby countries, economies, individual workers can grasp these opportunities. In order for the worker to do that, they have to have the right skills. Now that the change is so rapid that we have to train and retrain the workers already into the labor market to acquire the skills that are needed uh, in order to perform well with the digital tools. By all means, I think we have to move away from the notion that uh, you build your human capital in school and then you use this human capital in the labor market to a system in which you keep on learning throughout your working life. That's essential. Seems to be easy to say, much more difficult to put in place. In fact, one of the risks that is actually behind this increased potential risk of inequality is that the job most at risk of automation are the one hold by the low skilled, are the one by older workers, are the one actually in small and medium sized enterprises. So there is a risk that some of the vulnerable workers already might face actually most of the challenges of the, te- the technological revolution. And so what other policies might countries consider? So again, build the right skills build through right education, skills adapt the skills through lifelong learning, mm-hmm. I think the other big area is that we think in the OECD countries that we have a very well-developed social protection system, right? A safety mm-hmm. net for everyone. Retirement, health care, unemployment insurance. Which is essential. Absolutely. However, if you look at some of the non-standard form of employment, a fixed-time contract, a part-time contract, a self-employed, then you see that, that our social protection system in most, if not all, of the OECD countries have significant gaps. So our social protection system in most of the OECD countries are geared around a stable, full-time, open-ended contract. So The kind it, of job you would get after having built your human capital in school and going straight exactly. to work. And now we have to move into a system in which the social protection actually works for all. We have to close these gaps, gaps that affect some of the young people, 
those in more precarious or unstable jobs, those in the new form of work, for mm. example, platform worker, right? Yeah. They are dependent contractors. They actually are considered to be self-employed, and the self-employed are less covered by social protection. Some of that for good reasons, because some of the self-employed are professional that earn significant high level of earning. They can insure themselves. But actually, some of the new form of self-employment are actually individuals not having a very high level of income, and they need protection. They need to some form of social protection. So we have to adapt our social protection system to actually provide a minimum safety net to actually everyone, almost regardless of the type of contract they have in the labor market. Okay. And who should be involved in pulling this together? I don't think it's a project that any one government can tackle alone. First, I think it's important for the government to take a proactive stance, not to wait and see. Of course, there is a lot of uncertainty about how the digital transformation will reshape our economies, uh, our labor markets. But I think if we wait to see exactly how the technology is changing our economies, we are going to be always late. We more or less know how the technology is already shaping and reshaping our labor market, our jobs. And I think there is a lot, also looking at the outcomes we have in the evidence we have ourselves, to actually adapt our system. So proactive policy, policy that are future ready, policy that anticipate the changes, in my view, is essential. Second, however, Government, national, local level are not enough. We need actually to involve in a proactive way the key social partners. Employers, companies have to play an important role. Whether it's about training and retraining, having a sort of a, some forecasting about the skill they might need and actually work with the workers themselves, work with the training providers to actually make sure that actually they can get the skill they need with the existing workforce or with some adaptation of the workforce. Trade unions, of course, have to play a role, not in stopping the changes, not in stopping the technological progress, but actually accommodating the technological progress and how this actually is reflected into the labor market and changes. And accompanying the changes. Absolutely. So we need, uh, to some extent, more social dialogue, more cooperation between the key stakeholders, government, companies, trade unions, and actually civil society. Many of these changes are affecting we as consumers, not only as workers, and therefore listening to people, in my view, becomes more and more important. Unpack that a little further. What do you mean by affecting we as consumers? Well, again, some of the benefits of the digital transformation are for us as consumers, right? We are now have... Uh, a smartphone that performs tasks that were inconceivable only five years ago. We only benefit from that, right? Mm. At the same time, we as workers might face different challenges, right? So I think in the fo in going forward, we need also to reconsider some form of, uh, through tax and benefit system, of creating a better, more solid buffer for people who might be more affected by the changes to be able to have the tools, the means to actually overcome some of these challenges and actually participate like everybody else to the many benefits that the digital transformation will bring about. Well, it's interesting what you say about tax and benefit, because I also wanted to ask uh, who should bear the burden of funding the future of work? Well, first of all, proactive policy. Second, in each and every area, we can do things better. If we do understand exactly the nature of the challenges, I think we can refine our programs in a way that can make them more effective. Let's focus public policies on the most vulnerable ones, the ones that for different reasons might not be able to fully benefit from the transformation of the many opportunities. That's number one. This might not be enough. So then we have to reconsider and we have to identify the role of the private sector, the role of companies. Companies in the past were sort of waiting and see, I need this, the worker with this type of skills and then waiting for the training or the education system to provide these skills. Now I think what we need is more proactive activity from the business. Business have to be able to invest 
not only on the existing workforce, but actually maybe invest on the new workforce, the new workers that might not have exactly the right skill they need, but they have all the potential to perform well in the company. So a more proactive, more engagement also on the side of the private sector, I think, is absolutely essential. But I think, uh, and this is part of the overall reflection at OECD about the digital transformation, there are a number of initiatives, and the OECD has been putting forward a lot of initiatives on how to manage a digital transformation. One of these is the effort we have made on the base erosion profit shifting, a global effort to make sure that all companies, including the big digital companies, pay a fair share of taxes. This has all the potential to generate significant additional resources, revenue, for the government, and part of these resources can be channeled through a transition fund or transition agenda that will help the workers, for example, to manage this transformation, mm. to invest on skill and reskilling, to invest on expanding social protection and different programs that can help, again, those most vulnerable to navigate the changes in a successful way. To build an inclusive world of work. Absolutely. You're talking about being proactive and about needing to get out there and get ahead of things. Can you give us a few examples of programs or policies that are already taking place that stand out as good first steps or even as success stories? That's interesting because actually there's a lot of actions and there's a collection of good practices. So government are actually very active on that. Let me give you a few examples. We were talking about the lifelong learning and the need to skill and reskill many workers, actually all workers, including the low skill, the one who receive less training and retraining compared to the high skill. Mm. In France, there has been a significant reform in what they call the individual training account. So before training were provided by the companies, depending on the need of the companies, and now actually each and every worker, including the self-employed, receive a certain amount of money and a fund to be invested in training and retraining. So now it's the worker at the center of the decision process about which type of training the he or she should get. And then, of course, uh, the worker will work uh, with the public employment service, mm. with the employer, to identify what is the training or retraining strategy for herself or for himself. That's a major transformation of what was already there, so training program for adults. Another example, Sweden is a country that has already in place what they call the Job Security Council. This is actually managed by the social partners, so the employer and uh, the trade unions, in which if a company has to undergo a transformation, Right? A restructuring, a restructuring. Uh, even closing down? Exactly. Then, way before that, six to eight months before, there is actually a plan that is set up to actually help the workers right, move into the next job. Not all of mm -hmm. them could be retained after the transformation, but instead of waiting for the dismissal to take place, there is ex ante a lot of effort, a lot of support, a lot of guidance and training to actually help the workers move into the new job. This will not prevent some job to be lost and some worker to be dismissed, but actually reduce dramatically the time that takes for this worker to find a new job. And other countries are for example, considering extending some element of social protection to the uh, new forms of work, including these dependent uh, contractors. So those independent workers who actually depend on one single platform by providing them a form of social protection, but actually the possibility to bargain their fees, uh, their pay with the companies. That's again something which is new, but extremely important, because uh, not all of the uh, platform workers are really independent workers. They might depend from an economic point of view for one single large company, one single platform. So giving them the right to bargain, but also provide them social protection is very important. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Kate Lancaster. Thank you for listening to OECD Podcasts. You'll find much more about the issues we've been discussing today at OECD.org. To listen to other OECD podcasts, Find us on iTunes, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud.com slash OECD.